Hi everyone, welcome to the Be There in Five podcast mini-sode, Royal Wedding Edition. I wanted to play the intro of the Kelly Clarkson song Breakaway because every week, without a doubt on cable, The Princess Diaries 2 comes on, which I would argue is one of the better sequels in the history of time. And in The Princess Diaries 2, Mia Thermopolis of Genovia, a true princess of the people, gets out of her motorcade or whatever in her parade to go talk to an orphan who is a young Abigail Breslin, who is sucking her thumb and talking in a really fake Italian accent, but I should not judge the work of a six-year-old actress, and asks the boys what if they are messing with this young girl, and they were pulling on her braid. So in response, Mia buys out all of the crowns from the local street vendors and allows the orphans to walk in the parade with her, and the song Breakaway comes on. And for some reason, without fail, this scene makes me cry. It is moving, it is touching, and even though I know that this was the sequel and not right when Anne Hathaway or Mia was polished and ready to be a princess, these movies still remind me sometimes that all that's standing between me and being the leader of Genovia is an eyebrow wax, straightening my hair and getting contacts instead of glasses, much like Rachel Lee Cook and She's All That. And given that I just watched the horribly inaccurate Hallmark movie about Harry and Meghan, there was one scene that I found was touching and reminded me of Mia Thermopolis. And, you know, Meghan Markle is also from California, just like Mia, and she is becoming a princess as a commoner and as an American. And in drawing these parallels and watching this Lifetime movie, I was moved by this one scene where Meghan up and quits suits immediately after her co-worker informs her that little girls everywhere will look up to her because finally they can have an idol that looks like they do. And I just, I love this idea. I think it's deeply moving. And I want us to channel this while we finish out the strong, booming choral ending of Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway. And then I will get into my, my poem. <laughs> That felt good, didn't it? You know, this is a song that in my iTunes library I would completely overlook as just being kind of oversaturated in my head. But that doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be heard now and again. Take a risk, take a chance, make a change, break away. Those are words we all need to hear sometimes. You know, I know everyone's talking about the royal wedding, and you probably don't need me to weigh in my two cents. But I, I do consider myself somewhat of a subject matter expert on the royals, given my lifelong dedication and obsession with none other than Kate Middleton, who has unfortunately neutralized her style and general persona a bit in recent years, given that she is in line for the throne. But unlike Kate and Will, there's Harry, who's like, what, sixth, seventh in line for the throne? Kate recently had a fetus that was farther in line to the throne than Harry, so he's always been able to like live out his best life and live a little farther removed from the rules. But that doesn't make us any less interested in him. If anything, I think we're all more invested in Harry because we watched him walk behind his, his mother's casket. We watched him grow up and get naked in Vegas and party and date Cressy and Chelsea Davey and a whole slew of socialites and just wonder who will be the one to nail down Harry. 
I think that the royals love them or hate them, whether however you feel about how they pertain to tax dollars or their influence over Great Britain or the role of a monarchy in modern times. I love that the world can share in their joy. I love that they are required almost by law to let us in on their lives to a degree where there has to be cameras at their wedding. Everything they do has to be a spectacle. They have to announce to us when they have children. And granted, these things are kind of built around them not being pawns in the game of of paparazzi and media profiting on them, but it also allows us to share in something inherently joyful. So often news stories are about tragedy, about major world events that, that are largely negative in nature, but a union, a joining of two people that are genuinely in love and not being forced into something like Charles and Diana were that we can all, for a moment, just enjoy and celebrate love, celebrate the story of an American girl marrying a member of the royal family. I think there's something really beautiful about it. So let all the others trivialize it. Let people say, why do people care about the royals when they don't even do anything? Like, whatever. I don't care. I am going to enjoy and bask in every minute of body language experts speculating if they're still smitten with each other. I'm going to love all the dress speculation and wondering who her designers are going to be and what her silhouette would look like. And these ballsy commentators that seem to think that it's going to be a possibility for her to have a mullet dress or a high-low dress or a T-length dress. Come on, people. She might be modern, but she's not a monster. I'm going to relish in speculation about the flowers that will be on her cake or which gold from the family's vault their bands will be made out of, what songs they'll choose, their vows. Will she be nervous? Will the ring get fing- this finger be swollen like Kate's was and he'll struggle to get the ring on? Will he decide to not spike his hair and for the love of God, please just find his part? Will she wear her hair down and flowing and bohemian, or will it be up in a chignon? Will her mother walk her down the aisle because her dad is a monster of a fame whore? I, guys, I am excited. I am thrilled. I am looking forward to all things Royal Wedding, and I don't have cable right now, and I'm thinking about renting a hotel, but I'm really hoping I can stream it live on E or CNN or BBC or something at the very least. I'm thinking of setting up somewhat of a command center and perhaps getting a few more laptops and tablets from the Best Buy and returning them the day after. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm just hoping my husband will let me lend his devices. Frankly, I'm a little disappointed it's on a Saturday because on a weekday, I could watch it by myself. And that's kind of what I want. I don't need the peanut gallery being like, you know how much they cost the taxpayers? Oh, give me a break. I don't want to be brought back down to earth. For Saturday morning, it is for us. It is for the people. It is for the American girls that grew up with Harry being of our age. And we thought, hey, maybe it could be us. But not really. Probably not. Because we're nobodies. But you know what? I freaking love that a girl, even though she's from Hollywood, even though she's an actress, I love that a mixed race woman with a voice that does humanitarian work with her own career that has been married, that has a past, that stands for things she believes in, that is so such a departure from any demure, soft-spoken, neutral woman than anyone's married in the past in the royal family. I love that she is, if there's going to be any American blood injected into that monarchy, I'm proud that it's hers and I'm being completely sincere. And, you know, I wrote, I did write a poem for this occasion that I'm going to recite you. And I, ha- and I just want to preface that I say much of this in jest, because if you objectively look at her story, it's really quite fascinating. But I do respect her, and I wish her the best. And, um, you know, if you guys follow, like, Gary Gennetti, for example, I think we all get a kick out of uh, the notion of a commoner, a Hollywood actress, kind of 
going from being a normal person to then having to uh, uh, kind of act or appear like they're some sort of pristine royal when it's tough it's tough for us to digest the transition when you were kind of blogger actress you went to gifting suites you didn't have any major roles and in that microcosm you weren't on a pedestal but suddenly you're on not just a pedestal you're on a freaking throne it's a, it's fascinating and it's easy to poke fun at and long story short I will now read you my poem that I hope more succinctly and rhythmically expresses my feelings on this royal wedding better than my rambling could ever accomplish. And I like to call this poem Megan Hermarkle. In 2017, when the news was really lacking a sparkle, what a blessing it was to be introduced to Ms. Megan Markle. When I was a young girl, I figured I wasn't in the running to marry none other than his royal red-headed highness, Prince Harry. I thought he required an aristocrat, a royal, a duchess of York. Little did I know all he needed was the holder of briefcase 24, a fresh blowout and a dream. Who knew you could start with Howie Mandel and become the world's biggest celebrity, the ball's newest belle? But I'm not bitter at all, not the least bit resentful, to now watch her on the throne instead of on cable at 9-8 Central. She's from the small town of Los Angeles, a most humble spot, went all the way to Buckingham Palace from the Sony back lot. And I'm not jealous of her beauty, charm, or lack of a scandal. I was just too busy in 1993 to take on Procter & Gamble. Footage of you being a strong feminist in middle school must be nice. My biggest dilemma at 13 was being torn between Posh or Baby Spice. They met on a blind date. She said, wait, who are you? A British Harry? Are you a wizard? Is Dumbledore here too? He said, no, that's Harry Potter. I'm Harry Mountbatten-Windsor, the eligible prince who parties naked, the world's favorite ginger. He took her on a third date, pretty low-key, no drama, just a quick helicopter ride to a five-day trip in Botswana. Fast forward less than a year, and we all find out and we're swooning. They wear matching bracelets. She posted photos of bananas spooning. She did. She posted that. Long story. Look it up. Rumors swirled about. We wondered, wait, do people watch Suits? Is Chelsea Davy still around? What's Cressy going to do? But we found out she was far more than just Rachel Zane. She was a feminist activist and already used to the fame. She moved into Kensington Palace next to apartment 1A. Does she watch Housewives with Kate? Do her and George play? More importantly, it's the site of the famous cozy night of the proposal, where two super rich people choose poultry despite having everything at their disposal. They told us in their interview that Harry's plans were most sincere. He thought, a palace, crown jewels, raw chicken, huh, the gang's all here. So he got down on one knee, asked for her hand in marriage aloud. She took her hand off the giblets and thought, seriously, right now? I move my life to London, I get chased around, and I accept this role's gravity, and you choose to propose to me when my hand was just in a cavity? Okay, that's not on record, but I assume the casual nature was met with chagrin. It's not every day you're given jewels from a legend, a candle in the wind. But don't listen to me. I never got over a childhood Christmas fiasco. I wanted the T.Y. Princess commemorative beanie baby, but instead I got Tabasco. And no, not the sauce. It's, It's a red beanie baby that's actually quite rare. Similar to this engagement story, it's bull, but... That's neither here nor there. She does seem quite happy. She said when he proposed, she didn't let him finish. She said, yes, I will marry you. I will gladly be your princess. And he says, actually, oh, well, you'll be the Duchess of Sussex. 
But that's kind of cool, right? No last name, no suffix. She says, Sussex, really? Cambridge sounds more posh, less passe. Kate gets a university, but mine sounds like a roll in the hay. Regardless, she says yes. As they prepare to announce, she goes out and finds every wrap coat and wide leg pant in town. The world marveled at her poise. Her hair parted in half. Forget Diana's jewels. Damn, did you see her calf? But not before long did her family come out of the woodwork saying she's overrated. Half-siblings, cousins, who aren't just thirsty, they're dehydrated. Her half-sister sells a book called Princess Pushy, and instead of being nervous, she's all like, what? It's a compliment. I'm doing her a huge service. Then her half-brother publishes an in-touch letter to Harry, a man who is internationally famous, that his sister is a C-list social climber he should leave, yet he's calling her shameless? He says awful things, begs for a wedding invite to boot. I'm not even kidding. He misspells the word too. Truly, first sentence of this letter. He says two as in T-O-O and spells it with one O. Her cousins fly to London to be wedding commentators. Her family doesn't get why they aren't invited while they publicly shame her. Her dad sells photos of himself to the press for 100K, duping us all that he was a cute dad in an internet cafe. He backs out of the wedding due to a heart attack, but it can't be because the same paparazzi saw him driving through KFC. I once relished in the drama, but now I find it really upsetting that her family won't stop trying to capitalize on her wedding. Screw them all, honestly. Sometimes blood isn't thicker. I'll be proud to see her mom walk down the aisle with her. I have to say, between the acting and the interview spiel, I was a skeptic at best, could not tell if she was the real deal. So I scoured her blog archives, which were then called the TIG, to learn some dirt, find something weird, or find something big. But no, I found out she's actually quite lovely. She's a feminist, actress, activist, things far above me. She speaks of race and equality and her rescue pups she loves most. She makes minestrone and teaches us how to perfect avocado toast. So far be it from me to poke fun at her story. She's bringing so much to the monarchy. I bask in her glory. I welcome her age, diversity, her strong voice for women, whether she's fighting CPG companies or roasting a chicken. I wish her the best. I hope she has a partner and she's never alone. I hope she prioritizes her well-being more than Diana could on the throne. I hope little girls look up to her and instead of thinking, wow, I could marry a prince, you see, they think, wow, I can have a past, a life, career, and when I find love, it not be held against me. Because if she really was randomly off her feet, just swept, there's something magical about her life's trajectory, her being unprepped. Can you imagine the feeling of auditioning with constant rejection from a failed marriage, estranged family, to a $40 million reception? Above all else, I hope we can all acknowledge how good it would feel to incite the people that turned you down now turning to you for an invite. But this poem's TBD. We've not yet even seen the marriage. I will watch with bated breath this weekend as she rides in that carriage, thinking of what it's like to have the world's eyes on you, to be adored from afar, but your own father can't come through, to know your life will forever change. You now have a title, a moniker, to the world your high society, but in that society, you're a commoner. Most importantly, when she's up at the altar, I'll know what she's thinking about up there. That she's living out the plotline of her future Hallmark movie, likely starring Lacey Chabert. Thank you. Thank you.